We are in the midst of a sermon series called How's Your Soul? And last week Kevin got us started off in a great way. Uh, I was assigned the topic to come the second week where we begin to talk about essential elements to make sure that our soul is well with God. When I was assigned the topic of rest, I told my lovely wife Vicki, she laughed out loud. She thought, that's hilarious and ironic at the same time. I'll confess, as Jeff alluded to just a little while ago, I am not really good at rest. Uh, it's, it's not my forte. It's not my strength. But it's something that I need. It's something that you need. It's something that we all need. We're right in the middle of vacation season, and it seems like lots of folks are traveling, going to the beach, going to the mountains, going to see family, going to theme parks, whatever. Have you ever come back from a vacation and you think to yourself or you say out loud, I need a vacation from my vacation. I, I need to go back to work so I can get some rest. I think, I think a lot of us know what that's like, especially if you've ever been to Disney World. Oh, I need a break. Need a break. Recently, our youngest daughter, Katie, uh, got married. And she and her husband, Andrew, came back from their honeymoon, and they were at our house uh, for a couple of days before they uh, moved up to Annapolis, Maryland. And... I'm that guy, I'm that dad who asks questions like, okay, Katie, okay, Andrew, uh, tell, me, uh, tell me about your wedding. What, what do you remember? What do you like? Except what you have to do is you have to tell me about your wedding in one word. And without a half a second, Andrew said, blur. It's just all a blur. And I got that. I understood that. It's, that's the way it was for me, too. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute. Is, isn't my whole life that way sometimes? I mean, do, do I not live my whole life where it's a blur? Vicki will say, do you remember? And I'll be like, I, I, I must have missed that. But you were there. I, 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 must, I must, must have missed that. Sometimes life is coming at us so fast. So many things are happening. So much going on. We just miss some things. We can't process it all. We stack activity up on top of responsibility, on top of duty, on top of obligation. And we just can't process it all. We're, we're left to feel depleted and spent and empty and unfulfilled and sometimes even hurt. I remember as a kid, grew up on a farm, and we, uh, we got to do a lot of work on the farm. Uh, I love to go visit my grandparents in the city where we could do a lot of play in the neighborhood. But as we were working in the, my, my, grand, my dad would say, okay, look, the garden here, you got to get all these stuff done before you can go to baseball practice this afternoon. Motivation. So we would work and we would play and we would, we would sweat. We'd do a lot of sweating. And our, and our mouths would be really parched. We'd be thirsty. We'd be dry. And so we would go to the, the outdoor spigot and there was a, a hose attached to it or as back in those days, we referred to it as a hose pipe, which was kind of redundant if you think about it. But we would turn the water on, and it would snake its way through the hose pipe. And, of course, a lot of times it'd be like really stinking hot because it'd been sitting out there. you'd have to wait for the cold water to get there. But when you turned it on, you had to make sure that it got to the right point in that outdoor water spigot. Because if you got it going too fast, it wasn't really fun to drink it that way. It'd hurt your face. So you had to get it just to, <laughs> kind of like that. 
You had to get it just to the right amount, drinking that water out of the spigot so that you could actually take it in. You ever feel like life's coming at you like that sometimes? Like it's just coming at me so fast, I just can't deal. I just can't process. I just have to slow down. It feels that way to me a lot. There's a new phrase I've been recently made aware of. Uh, Jeff referred to some of that research I was doing, uh, since I'm not really, really good at this stuff. There's a new phrase, occupational sudden mortality. It means simply death by overwork. People will sometimes have a heart attack or a stroke due to the stress and overwork. They just work, literally work themselves to death. There are scores of people each year who die from occupational sudden mortality. The, the, the pace of life, the pressure of our culture that pushes us and pushes us and pushes us. You know, sometimes there can be other underlying issues. There can be, there can be physical issues. There can be health issues. There can be mental issues. But being in this pressure cooker that we're in, of all the time stress and all the, all the stress and pressure from other areas, it doesn't help us. It, it only intensifies the situation. And so to one degree or another, all of us understand what that pushing and pace and pressure is all about. Now, there's some who feel it more deeply than others. I'm reminded of Anthony Bourdain. You might remember him as the celebrity chef who had his own TV show on CNN called Parts Unknown. One of his friends and, and a fellow chef, Eric Reipert, reflecting on Anthony's tragic death, said this. He said, it, it never struck me as peculiar, but it was as if he gave everything to his work and then had nothing, zero, left for himself afterwards. Most producers and crew don't work on every single episode. It's just too much, especially if you have a family. But that wasn't an option for Tony. And in response to a question about whether he would ever retire and rest, Bourdain once said, I gave up on that. I've tried. I just think I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, I'm neurotic, I'm, I'm, I'm driven. I'm quite sure I can't. Anthony said, I, I can't stop. I can't rest. And so he never stopped. He experienced the pressure and the pace, and he never found the peaceful rest that he so desperately needed and that you and I so desperately need. Vance Havner once said about the soul's need for rest, if you don't come apart for a while, you'll come apart in a while. So how do we deal with life when it feels like this? How do we deal with life when it's so pressure-packed and full, and we feel tired, and we feel empty, and we feel deflated, and we feel defeated and depleted, physically exhausted, spiritually dry, emotionally discouraged and anxious, and, and maybe even depressed? You know what it means to hear people say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. How can we find the rest that we so desperately need? 
We need to hear the words of Jesus when he says this. Come to me. This is where we started our worship together this morning. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus couldn't have been any clearer. Rest for my soul comes from him. My soul, that most inner part of me, the deepest part of me, my spirit, my being, my soul, can know rest, but we know rest in Jesus. He is our ultimate source of rest. And it's exactly what God showed us when he himself rested on the sixth day, after the sixth day of creation. It's the passage that Ben read for us just a few moments ago in Genesis chapter 2. The heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, God rested. God rested. So here in the Garden of Eden, the perfect home for the soul, God modeled for us the rhythm of rest. Do you think God was tired? I don't think so. I don't think God was tired. I think he was demonstrating for us the healthy rhythm and the healthy flow of life. He rested. It was a time for reflection. It was a time for enjoyment. When God sat back and rested, and when God sat back and reflected and enjoyed, you remember what he said? He said, it's good. It's good. It's good. Not only when we look at the example of God the Father, but when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that that Jesus faced enormous stresses and difficulties. And Jesus even experienced pain. I believe that Jesus was literally carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yet he never got sarcastic, he never got cynical, he never got unloving, and he never burned out. No one took away his joy. And when you look at his life, what you see is a life of rhythm. He had a rhythm to it. A rhythm like that of his father. A rhythm that fostered the flow of grace into him and the flow of grace out of him. Jesus had more on him than you and I do. Yet he never fell prey to soul fatigue. He was able, Jesus was able to maintain that rhythm of rest and renewal and restoration that allowed him to stay strong. Jesus was busy, but he wasn't hurried. Jesus was busy, but he he wasn't hurried. And he was able to help others to avoid that potential soul fatigue too. Once when he had sent his disciples out on a mission, they came back to him to report on their success, what they'd seen, what they'd done, what they'd heard. They had just completed their big assignment successfully and they were 
probably really excited about what their next assignment was going to be. There's a lot of work to be done. But Mark chapter 6 says this, Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. Okay, that's busy. That's okay. And then Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. What assignment does Jesus give his followers? He told them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Instead of hurrying off to the next assignment, Jesus got everybody into a boat, all of his disciples into a boat, and they went off to what was described as a quiet place, a solitary place. I imagine if I was one of those disciples, I'd be going, Jesus, wait a minute. All these people, all these needs, all this stuff going on. What about all the sick people? What about all the needy people? What about the mission to save the world, Jesus? Jesus knew those needs better than anybody. But he also knew the power of a rested soul. He also knew the danger of a depleted soul. So he slowed his followers' role. He slowed, he slowed their role. He slowed his followers down so that their souls would have a chance to catch up. He knew that a rested soul is a soul that can thrive. A rested soul is a, is a soul that can flourish. So Jesus says, rest, come with me. I'll show you how. So God the Father demonstrated rest, and, and Jesus practiced and taught the art of rest. And God's people, the Israelites, they were commanded to rest. The first time we read the command for Sabbath rest is found in Exodus chapter 20. God told Moses, and Moses told God's people, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It seems so counterintuitive to us that if we want to go, we have to stop. And that if we want to keep going for the long haul, we have to keep stopping. But that's exactly what God tells us. And that's what Jesus showed us in his life as well. And that's what God, Moses commanded God's people. You have to stop. You have to chill. You have to relax. Sabbath rest is a declaration that we make to ourselves, to our kids, to our communities, and even to our demanding bosses that we don't worship work. It's a declaration that our work is not enough. It's our declaration that there's more 
than just work. God the Father, Jesus, Moses, and even the prophet Isaiah spoke of the importance, the essential nature of rest. In chapter 30 and verse 15 of his prophecy, Isaiah said, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. God's people had forgotten rest. Isaiah was saying to them, that rest is found in God. But you would have none of it. Because you worship work or or horses or chariots or cars or houses or boats. Whatever it is that you worship. The prophet Isaiah was saying, it's not God. In rest and repentance is your salvation. Here's the question for this morning. Do you have rest? Is rest a part of your life? How is your soul? Does your soul know that peace that can come only when you rest? Sabbath is a time of rest that's holy to the Lord. It's set apart. It's dedicated to. It's for God. It's that time that's given to God to honor Him and to receive refreshment from Him. It's the practice. Regular rest is. Regular rest is that practice by which we say with our lives that the God who made the world rules the world. And I trust in Him to do it better than me. Resting requires us to admit that we're not in charge. That we're not all sufficient. And for us to acknowledge that God is the one who is. To embrace a rhythm of rest means to see God as all sufficient and to give up our rights, to give up our own claim to self-sufficiency. That's what rest is all about. That's what the Sabbath was intended for. But you don't need me to tell you that it's easier said than done. It is so hard to do, to stop and chill and reflect and rest. This is really difficult for us in this modern culture to slow down. The pull is powerful. The pull is strong. So so why is it, do you think, why is it so hard for us to rest? A couple reasons. Number one, I think we're afraid of missing out. We've got FOMO. We've got the fear of missing out. We're terrified that we won't get a date if we don't go to the party. We won't get a promotion if we don't go to the conference. We won't get the contract if we don't take the call. We won't have any friends if we don't go on that trip. We say yes to everything because we're terrified of the consequences of what might happen if we say no. By the way, There's so much to keep up with. There's no way that you or I can keep up with everything. There's no way that I can watch every show on cable. Or should I? There's no way that I can see everything that Netflix puts out. Or Hulu. There's no way that I can listen to every podcast. Listen to all the new music. See all the new movies. 
There's no way I can keep up with what's going on with everybody on Instagram or Facebook, Snapchat. There's no way I can keep up with it. I mean, it'll drive us crazy if we try to keep up with it. We've got to be able to get to the point where we can say, you know, I haven't seen the new movie at the Roxy, and that's okay. I haven't seen everything. I haven't heard everything. I haven't experienced everything. It's okay that I'm missing out on some things because it was never intended that I was supposed to know everything about everything. So we need not fear missing out. We live in a culture where nonstop work is a virtue. It's something else that makes rest really hard. Busyness is compulsory. Pausing is a missed opportunity. It's like if you're in a hurry, it's like almost like you're important. And when you're important, you can feel good about yourself. But at some point, we get so hurried that it doesn't feel good anymore. Makes it hard. Number three, we allow busyness to mask our pain, our doubts, our fears. We don't deal with the important things because we're dealing with the urgent things. That's why it's so hard to rest. Sometimes rest seems so lazy to us. We buy the lie that that rest is for the weak. We don't feel like we have permission to stop and chill and relax and rest for a while. We falsely believe that it's something that we should hide or be ashamed of. We act like rest is a weakness. Number five, it's so hard to rest because we don't always realize it when our tanks are empty. makes it hard. We don't always recognize it when we're depleted or when we're out of balance. Soul fatigue is challenging in that it doesn't always come with a gauge like the fuel gauge on your car. You know, physically speaking, we know when we're tired. But knowing when our soul is tired is not always that easy to recognize. We don't know when we pass from from margin to overload. Heaven forbid that we're underachievers, so, so we fill our schedules uncritically. We fill our schedules without a lot of thought. Options for us are as attractive as they are numerous. And so we overschedule. That makes rest hard. And finally, number six, we believe the lie that says we are what we do. We allow ourselves to be defined by what we accomplish instead of remembering who we are and whose we are. We belong to God. We are His children. We are what and who He says we are. And He says we are loved. Letty Kalman is a devotional writer who once wrote about a traveler who was going through Africa. And as this traveler began his journey through Africa, he hired a, a group of movers, carriers, helpers to carry all his stuff to where he needed to get to deep inside of Africa. And on the first day, this traveler was really excited because they made a lot of hay. They, 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 they went a long way, and they, they went quickly. So he was all excited. Got up on the second day, and he noticed that all the band of, of carriers and workers and, and helpers was just sitting there, not doing anything. He said, what's up? 
we got to go. we got places to go, things to do. we got to go. we got to go. And the leader of the group said, we're not going to go anywhere for a while. Yesterday, we went too far, too fast. Today, we have to rest until we allow our souls to catch up with where our bodies are. Sometimes I think we're a lot like those travelers, those helpers, those carriers. We go so far and so fast, but the difference is is that they got something on us and that we don't always recognize it. We don't always understand when we're depleted and empty. So, since we have no gauge, I got nine questions for you to ask yourself real quick this morning. Nine questions we can ask ourselves that will help us identify if my soul is tired. Number one, do you sometimes feel drained and tired physically or emotionally or spiritually? Do you have headaches, neck pain, body aches? Are you getting sick often? Your body may be telling you that things aren't right, and these can be warning signs from your body. Are you easily angered and irritated? Do things seem to bother you more than they should? Are you snapping at people, flying off the handle easily? Do you see your coworkers gum-chewing as a major character flaw? When the red light stops, do you take it as a personal insult? Are you comforting yourself with food or alcohol or pills or any outside substance? Am I growing dependent on these things to give me energy? That's a sign of imbalance. Are you feeling depressed, seeing things from a negative outlook, having a hopeless attitude? Number six, is your judgment suffering? Are you more likely to favor short-term gains in ways that leave you with high long-term costs? Number seven, do you have a hard time making up your mind about even a simple decision? Number eight, are you feeling more detached from people? Are you withdrawing from others? And number nine, do you have less courage? It was the famous football coach Vince Lombardi, Green Bay Packers, who said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Do you have less courage? Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith is a Christian physician. She has a special interest in the idea of Sabbath rest and has written an excellent book called Sacred Rest. In the book, she shares seven different types of rest that she finds lacking in the lives that she encounters in her practice and in her research. Dr. Smith asserts that a deficiency in any one of these different types of rest can have negative effects on our bodies and on our minds and on our spirits. She asserts that there are seven different areas where we need rest. She said, of course, we need physical rest. That's the chance to restore your body. Decrease muscle tension, reduce headaches, and, and promote higher quality sleep. Slow down, stop, relax, chill, and take a deep breath. Of course, we need physical rest. She says we also need mental rest. The ability to, to quiet the noise. Some people call it cerebral chatter. Quiet the noise and focus on things that matter. We need spiritual rest. That capacity within us to experience God in all things and to bask in the knowledge of the transcendent and the holy. 
We need emotional rest. The freedom to authentically express and to understand our feelings. We need social rest. That's the wisdom to recognize relationships that fill you up and those that drain you. We need social rest. We need sensory rest. That's the opportunity to limit the endless onslaught of sensory input received from electronics and media and background noise, drinking from the fire hose. And finally, we need creative rest. That is the experience of allowing beauty to inspire awe and wonder. Dr. Smith says that each area needs to be restored and replenished to get us ready for the next time that that's going to be needed. Leave out any one of these and you'll feel the consequences of the resulting rest deficit. So what kind of tired are you? It is, it is hard to know. It's hard to recognize. But if you're interested, you can go to Dr. Smith's website. Take a few minutes to answer a few questions. And she has a, a, an instrument there that will help you identify your rest deficits. You can go to restquiz.com. You can find that personal rest deficit assessment there. Take it. Vicki and I took it a couple of weeks ago. And we both found it helpful in pointing out our strengths and the areas in which we have room for improvement. So we've talked about like how hard it is and, and, and why it's so hard and, and maybe some ways that we can ask ourselves some questions if, if we're depleted. And, and, and the areas in which... Maybe we need to look to see where we need rest. This morning we'll land the plane as we talk about how do we do it? How do we find this rest that our souls so desperately need? How do we rest in a way that we find the peace and purpose that God intends? The Sabbath doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all type experience. But for what it's worth, here are a few ideas. Number one, regularly stop. When's the last time I just stopped? If you insist that you'll rest only when you feel like it or when it's on your terms, then you are still the boss. Submit yourself to a regular pattern of rest. And that pattern of regular surrender of your schedule will remind you of your rebellious self. So quit moving. Relax. Take it easy. Sleep in. Don't fill the day with a lot of activities. Maintain an attitude and maintain a goal throughout the day of rest. So regularly stop. Number two, restore margin in your life. We need space. We need margin. In his excellent book, Margin, Dr. Richard Swenson describes margin like this. He says, margin is the space between our load and our limits. Is the amount allowed beyond that which is needed? It's something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion. The space between breathing freely and suffocating. Margin is the opposite of overload. If we're overloaded, we have no margin. Have you ever tried to read a document 
that has no margin? It might look a little something like this. It's all words, no space, no margin. When you look at that, I don't know if it has the same effect on you that it had on me. That's good stuff there. That's Genesis chapter 2, and a little more, chapter 3, and a little more, chapter 4. It's good stuff. But we can only take in so much at a time. We need margin. When you look at, when you look at that, that almost is a little bit repulsive. It just takes your breath away. But when you see Genesis chapter 2 with some, with some margin, it's good stuff. But it's dealt with in such a way that you got some margin. You can take a breath. You can take it in. And you can process it. And you can deal with it. Restore margin in your life. So regularly stop. Restore margin in your life. Reflect on the past week. Reflect on the, on the past period of time. How can we rest? We reflect. A hurried week doesn't allow the reflection that we really need to look back and to learn. We can learn a lot when we see what has just happened. We don't stay there. We don't live there. But we pause and we look back and we learn. We reflect. We regularly stop. We restore margin. We reflect back. We rest in silence and solitude. The French writer Pascal wrote centuries ago, I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact, and that is that they are unable to stay quietly in their own room. In solitude, we free ourselves from the pressures of the world. You can block out all the noise and all the chatter. You can listen. You can hear in solitude, you can rest. Number five, we regularly worship. Ultimately, rest is an act of resistance against the, the powerful pull of this world to work for this world. And by stopping, we fight against this world's idols of achievement and self-determination. The art of rest is learning about how to rest with Jesus, not rest from Jesus. Worship restores, reminds, it helps us to remember. We also need to have, number six, recreation. Recreation. If you look at the word, it's recreation. We're recreated when we embrace levity and leisure, when we laugh, when we lighten up. Anxious people are no fun. Rest reminds us that we're on the receiving end of God's good gifts. Counting our blessings is an extremely peace-giving, life-infusing realization when it happens. We usually feel better and accelerate our rest after some form of exercise. Maybe it's at the gym. Maybe it's a long walk on your streets. Maybe it's a hike. But to some degree, we need to play. We need to have a hobby, do non-work, divert our minds, sleep, read, reflect, recreate. And finally, number seven, relationships. 
Choose to spend time with those people who inspire you, breathe life into you, and reward you. No work, just friendship. How do you do it? Those seven suggestions are a good place to start. Because our souls, our souls crave rest. Our wills rejoice in striving, but our bodies were made to know at least sometimes the exhilaration and the tremendous challenge and exertion. But our souls crave rest. Augustine put it brilliantly way back in the 6th century when he said, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Not in me, but in thee. The psalmist says that our job is not to heal our souls. We can't do that. My job is not to heal my soul. I can't do it. But our job is to make space for them so that healing can come. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He makes me to lie down. When I'm lying down, when I'm beside still waters, I'm not moving a lot. I'm not hurried a lot. I'm resting in Him and allowing Him and waiting for Him to fill me up. Here's the question. Where is your green pasture? Where are your quiet waters? Your soul needs rest. And that rest for your soul, for that deepest, most intimate part of your being, your spirit, your soul needs to rest. Jesus invites you for that rest. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Have you done that? Have you come to Jesus publicly, privately, and said, Jesus, I need your rest. God, I need the peace that comes from you. God, I, I want to lay down in green pastures. I want to experience still waters have you given him your burdens and begun to walk through life hitched to him following his way the way of life and truth and hope and peace and rest you can start today with that rest